talking about at the foot of the mountain this morning. At the foot of the mountain. Sometimes we're at the foot of the mountain because we're looking up at it and we're saying, wow, that's pretty high. That's up there. I don't know if I'll ever get there. Or I don't know if I'll ever get there again. Sometimes we're at the foot of the mountain because we just came off the mountain. And we're a little tired and weary. Has anybody in here ever climbed a mountain before? I have. I have. Not yet. If you climb a mountain, you get to sit down. You know, a walking stick is a good thing when you do that. To be fit is a good thing when you do that. But when you when you climb a mountain, you go through some pain on the way up. Yeah? You go through some sweat. You stink a little bit. When you come down, your legs might feel a little wobbly. You feel like everything's kind of shaking underneath you because you've been going up. You feel like the gravity's starting to pull you down some more. And while this isn't part of my message, just know that as it becomes part of the message that God is saying, whether you're climbing up or whether you're going down, don't get weary. Yeah. Don't get weary. There's a reason why you're going up for some of you, and there's a reason why you're coming down for some of you. And God blesses, and he takes us through those. So I think about our culture, how it pulls us away constantly, and it tries to drag us um, from our relationship with Jesus, and how, how everything is trying to captivate our attention and pull us away from God. And we have things such as devices like television or internet or, or phones or friends or people around us, you know, things around us that try to captivate our attention from Jesus. But sometimes we think we have to completely disconnect. And for sometimes, for some of us, we need to for a moment in time. For some of us, maybe it's a little longer in time. But we don't really have to disconnect necessarily from the world. Jesus remained close to God, the Father, while engaging the world and the culture he lived in. He went away, but he always came back to the people. He always came back to those who were sinning. He always came back to strengthen those who he was discipling. And sometimes he took those who he was discipling up on the mountain with him. His connection to God meant he could connect with his culture without being influenced by it. You can connect to your culture without being influenced by it. Another biblical passage is be of, be, no, not be of the world. Don't want to misquote that. Be not of the world, right? But we need to be in the world. In fact, he was the light of the world offering new life. If he, if he was a light and he stayed up on a mountain all the time, people might see a little glow up there. But what kind of impact? What kind of impact? And sometimes as believers, we, we pray, Lord, take me up to the mountain. But sometimes when we are at the foot of the mountain, we are learning something, but others around us can learn something. We become with the people. 
we get to understand a little better what people are going through. So there's moments for being on the mountain. There's moments for being at the foot of the mountain. Jesus gives us strength and wisdom we need to influence culture without letting it negatively impact us. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you, God, for this wonderful church. I thank you, God, for the people here who, God, I care about, who are dear people, who are people who believe, who are who are, who are family, Father. And I pray, God, that you would bless them, Father. I pray that you would give the mountain experiences, God. But I'd also pray that we become people and continue to be people who are among the people. And, Lord, I pray that you would bring people into their lives, into their hemispheres, into their lives that they could influence for the gospel's sake. So that they can come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. If we stayed on the mountain high every time a problem came along, we would never fully experience Jesus. Amen. Our relationship would never be perfect. Our, our relationship would seem perfect, maybe, but we'd never truly grow in who, into who God desires us to be. We might never know God in His entirety. God in his fullness and we, we would only know God who is to be praised and not the God who is our resource, who is our strength, who is our rescuer, who is our help in times of trouble. We look at the, the book of Psalms and we see, we see people in there and we see, we see over and over there's a lot of complaints and cries and there's, there's, there's things that they have went through to be able to write the Psalms of praise as well. That we have adversities that tend to grow us to become more God-minded, more God-centered. We, in, through, through the moments of adversity, I've come to find in my own life over the past couple of years, with everything that's been going on and everything that is now over, in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. you said the same thing, that God uses adversity he uses adversity. He doesn't place it on us. He uses adversity to bring growth. To take us from a place where we once were in our dependence on God into a stronger knowing of who God is. That God, you are not just the God to be praised when things are going good. And then things occasionally go bad and then you jump in no, God, you are good at all times. Good, bad, and different. You are God. You are good at all times. You are faithful. You are just and you are merciful. You don't cause these things to come upon us, but you take and hold our hands through them. I love the verse that talks about Jesus, about God holding us by the right hand and taking us through. Think about some ways that Jesus has... That, that, uh, that Jesus' love has reached into your life and made a great impact. Think about that. Think about some ways that Jesus' love has reached into your life and made a great impact. We can come to know the powerful, powerful, wonderful, mighty work and truth about Jesus. He has always been willing to come down and rescue us in our need. Amen. He has always been willing 
Sometimes I find that he is willing and we are not wanting or not seeking. But we need to be seeking him. We need to say, Lord, you are willing to help me and I want you in this situation. Lord, I'm going to turn those thoughts of the negativity around and I'm going to seek and look for your truth in this situation. On the mountaintops or the valley low. In Matthew 17, he came down from the mountaintop after being in the presence of God so he could minister to the crowds. Jesus knew the importance of coming down and speaking to those who were literally in the valley. He came down into our hearts to set us free. And like Jesus, we must be willing to go down off the mountain and to reach people where they're at. To go into the valleys and reach the people in need. To go around some stuff that we don't really exactly like. That we kind of want to get away from. To be around some smells that we don't want to smell. To be around the mess. God is calling us to the mess. God is calling us to the stink. To the filth. He's calling us to places we don't necessarily want to go at times. He's calling us to be with the people, to minister to them, to express the love of Jesus in a new way, in a relational way, in a way that's genuine. Not that we want something from them, but God wants something for them. Amen? Amen? Yes. So... Let's spend some time. We're going to explore some passages together where Jesus willingly came down a mountain to continue reaching people in need. Uh, Matthew 17. Matthew 17. I hear Bibles in zipping. That is something very rare sometimes. I love it when I hear Bibles in zipping, pages flipping, or phones tapping. Not just people staring at the screen. See, I have it up there, and it's kind of small, right? Good. <laughs> it's up there for you, but it's a little small. But, but good, look it up. <laughs> Give me your Bible. Make sure I'm doing the right thing up at the pulpit, right? You need to make sure. Now, your pastors will always preach the right thing. But you always want to be careful and read what's in your word. Matthew 17. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Reading from the New Living Translation. For you will be treated as you treat others. Ooh, that's so hard sometimes. I tell you what. On my way in here today, I pulled over. I took the right lane from the left lane. This guy scooted up on our bumper, and he was there. I was trying to turn off, and he was there. He was not happy, apparently something. But he was right there. Ooh, I wanted to get a little mad. I'm driving my new car today because I had a couple accidents uh, uh, two weeks ago. My car was totaled. And so I was driving my, my new baby, right? And this guy's right there. I mean, probably like a foot or two away. And I'm like, oh, first of all, I'm scared another accident's going to happen. Second of all, this guy, you can tell he got that look in his eyes like, get out of my way. And the thing is, 
you know, we have to worry about how others will treat us, whether we are in our cars. Sometimes people lose their Christianity when they're in their cars. I used to always say my driving has not been saved yet. Okay? My driving has been aligning to Jesus over the past uh, year or two. But I always said it has not yet. So, align every aspect of your life. Your driving, your lifestyle, what you listen to, what you watch, how you act, everything. Treat others the way you want to be treated. If you don't want to be cut off, don't cut off somebody else. Amen. Ooh, ouch. Did you feel that uh, pain in the seat this morning? Oh. oh my gosh. If you want to see people smile at you, smile back. Yeah? Yes. I don't see where I'm smiling right now. I see a couple. Where's the rest of the smiles in here? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, more people smiling now. But but if you want others to smile, smile back. If you want people to be friendly to you, start being friendly to other people. These are basic truths to say what? You're reading in the word. No, I'm reading exactly the word. Treat others the way you want to be treated. That means in fairness, but also in politeness. The standard you use to judge and in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Don't worry about what's going on in somebody else's life. And pointing things out to them. Pray for them. Pray for them. I come across a difference in my thinking a few years ago. It says, I don't want to change people. I don't want to mold people into what I want them to be any longer. I want to love on people and to see people hear the truth. And I want the truth to change them. I want the Holy Spirit to change them. I'm no longer trying to say, look at them. They're not dressing right for church. They smell like cigarette smoke. You know, things like that. You know how, how people can get. I just love on people now. I say, I preach the truth. And if they're sitting there sinning, they're hearing the truth. And the Bible says the word doesn't return void. Yeah. The Bible says it's powerful. And let me tell you, the same power of the word is living inside of you. The Holy Spirit, he's living inside of you. And everywhere you go, every foot you step forward is a reflection of God's love. And people will become changed because your very presence comes in the room. Because you're bringing with you the presence of God. Think about that powerful right now. Powerful thing. You are bringing the presence of God wherever you go. So, how can you think of saying to your friend, let them help, uh, let me help you to get rid of that speck in your eye? Well, we kind of already talked about that. So let's skip down a little bit. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearl to pigs. They will trample the pearls. They will uh, then turn and attack you. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. What does that mean? What does that really mean? What does it mean? 
shouldn't waste holy things. And we shouldn't like allow those those things to come around people who's going to ultimately try to corrupt it is what I see. I say we don't want to allow those influences to come in. Don't waste your time around people who are not willing to accept the truth and who are just going to start trampling on you and trying to distort your truth. <coughs> in verse 7, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. One of the things that I'm asking, seeking, and knocking for right now is I'm planting a church is this. Lord, save souls. Right now, that is the key. Lord, save souls. What are you asking for? What are you seeking God for? What are you knocking? We can stand and knock and we can ask for salvation, yeah. But there's a whole lot of other things we should be standing and knocking for. The souls of our neighbors, the souls of those around us, the souls of those who are unholy that we need to let them know about the truth of God. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and every and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. Now that is talking about the salvation, but also there are other things, like I said, that we can seek and knock for. Matthew uh, 17, 19, 14, your parents, you parents, if you if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? I'm not a parent, but I can't imagine giving a stone to a child who's hungry. Or if they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. No, that'd be scary. Yeah? Oh, I thought that was a little funny myself. I mean, it's, what Jesus is doing is he's trying to shock people, wake people up to, you know, the truth is simple. So if you simple people know how to give good gifts to each other, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Do to others whatever you would like them to do for you. This is the essence of all of that which is taught in the law and the prophets. You can enter God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gates are wide for those who choose to enter it. But the way to heaven is narrow. But the gates are wide open for those who will receive it. Jesus and his disciples had to go away and get some rest. Before Jesus and his disciples could experience God's presence, they first had to climb the mountain. They had to go up, up, up. And I wish I kind of had some steps right here to go up, up, up. Have you ever went to the gym and stepped on the stair stepper? And you tried to make it the first minute your first time? Anybody know that experience? Yes. And you're huffing and puffing and about 20 seconds in you think you're dead? <laughs> yeah? Because you get on there and you usually turn it up thinking you can go a thousand miles a minute the first time. You're like, I can do this. And you just can't. Because you haven't done it before. Sometimes climbing a mountain is hard the first time. Jesus took his disciples up to get some rest. He wanted to get away from everything. Sometimes it's good for us to get rest and to get away from things. Pastor Rick is doing that today. Amen. Yeah? Before his disciples could experience God's presence, they first had to climb to the mountain. They had to climb the mountain. There are some mountains that you need to climb sometimes. 
to get in the presence of God. There's some times that you need to get away. There's some times that you need to experience. Sometimes we have to separate ourselves from the world to be able to get in touch with God. Sometimes we just need to get that extra something. We need to go up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So quiet in here. Amen. You're scared. I wish I could hide a little bit right now. Okay. Um, obstacles sometimes form. Uh, learning to be alone with Jesus can sometimes feel like climbing a mountain. Uh, set aside time. I, I believe we should set aside time to get with God. Do you have a custom of setting time aside? I know that if I open my phone up right now, it'll tell you, and I'm not saying this with bragging or anything, but you have to schedule time. 6 a.m., wake up slash get ready. 7 a.m. to 8. Time with God. I'm not lying. I didn't put it in just for the day. You'll see it on 365 days a year. Schedule time to be with God. Not in a legalistic approach. Not as something that says, I got to do this or, or I'm just not saved enough. No, do it because you love Him. Set aside some time or else you might forget. And then if you get extra time, that's great too. Uh, next. Um... So, so what I want you to do is I want you to think about some time you can set aside with God right now. And I'm going to ask you, maybe you have a phone in here this morning, or maybe a piece of paper. I'm going to ask you to write some time that you can get along with God. So if you can do that real quick, just jot down, when can I be, when can I have some time with God? And if you already have your time all set up, don't worry about it. I'll give me a second for that. Now get ready for the next one. Okay, next. Write one thing you hope to gain from your time with Jesus. What's one thing you hope to gain from your time with Jesus? What time do we have to give? Always set aside to love on Jesus and what to expect to gain. What do you hope to gain? Because Jesus is going to supply that hope. Jesus is going to meet that. It might be a need. It might be that you want to get deeper with God. It might be some more. But when we get to the mountaintop alone with Jesus, He, was, he desires to restore, renew, and transform us. But he doesn't pour out his extravagant love for our sake alone. Jesus longs for us to, which uh, Jesus wants to love through us. He wants us to stay in the mountains. He wants us to go through the valleys and to bring his presence there. He wants us to. What happens on the mountain doesn't stay on the mountain. You hear that in Vegas, right? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? No, it don't. There's cameras and cell phones everywhere. No. Nah. What happens on the mountain stays on the mountain. It's important that Jesus took his disciples back down the mountains because beginning because being on there on the top was more than just about them. It was. It was about being having a chance to be connected and restored with the Father. Jesus could have told the disciples to stay up there and let them enjoy his tranquility and peace, but he didn't do that. Instead, he took them right back down the mountain. He took them back to their daily lives. 
through us we begin, we, we tend to become renewed and we're ready to get back to work. You know how you go away and then you come back off a of vacation and you're like, woo, I'm ready to go to work. And then a few days later you're like, what did I think? Like, let's go back on vacation. We get excited we get after rest. We're ready to go back again. Verse 14 says a large crowd was waiting for Jesus at the foot of the mountain. They were waiting. Think about all the people who are waiting for you to come off the mountain and come and speak into their lives. Think about the people in your own lives who are ready to hear the gospel. There are people all around you in your life that are ready to hear the gospel. Look for those people. Think about the people whose needs you can help minister to. Think about the people you can pray for. Think about the people when they come to you with a problem that you can say, I have the solution. His life purpose wasn't to build fame. Jesus wasn't here to build fame. He was here to give fame away. He was here to give himself away. Again and again and again and again, Jesus, what he did is he returned to the people who were hurting. Love came down and, it, and he rescued us. In Matthew 17, we see love come down from the mountaintop to rescue people in the need of a savior. Jesus wasn't hiding in the presence of God. He wasn't trying to escape the evil of society. He was in the presence of God to bring those who were escaped and trapped in the poverty of sin to new life. After being renewed by God's presence, he went down to reshape culture. He went down to reshape the things that were going on around him. It can be tempting for us to stay on the mountaintop. It can be tempting, but if we're to be like Jesus, we must go down into the valley low. Amen. We must go from the top down to the valley to reshape the culture around us. We have issues in our state and in our communities around us because we need to see more of the light in the culture around us. And I know that you guys are in church that's doing that. But as Christians overall, we need to become a light that is in, midst, in the midst of the evil of the culture, in the midst of those things that are death, that are sin, so that we can show people the way out of the darkness and into the light. Yes. What are some ways you can impact your culture by bringing Jesus' presence down to the valley in which you live? What are some ways? Jesus' love and presence aren't reserved for the mountaintops of our lives. They're extended to the valleys as well. When we are, get the, valley, the mountaintop experience and he powers us up and we're recharged and we're ready to go, he takes and we're put down in the valley and we're, we're there with the people ready to work. While we are working, he is refilling and recharging us if we allow him. He keeps us going. Think about a time whenever you have been in an experience where you have been struggling and you have been in, in, in like a, a bad experience and yet you experience the presence of God in that moment. You experience the power of God. I, I've had some very powerful things happen in the valley alone. And I love it. I love seeing what God can do. It's freeing to know that the power of Jesus Christ he is Holy Spirit. He is with us at all times. Amen. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 3, 18 says this, For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see 
and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. We are changed in more and more into His glorious image. And as we become more like Him, we can impact those around us even more. People can see the light of Christ even more clearly. Be faithful. Demonstrate your love in every moment. Never judge. Never look down. Pray for, hope for, believe in the change that is coming in your community and in this state and in this country and in this world because the change has already been brought when Jesus, when love came down to rescue us, when he died on the cross and he rose again to save us from our sins, that's when things changed. And there is no desperate, terrible, sinful thing that can stand against the power of Jesus Christ. They can stand against the blood that was shed for us. There is nothing that can stand in the way. You are commissioned today to take your, your mountaintop and your valley low experiences and go and share with more and more people the love and the light of Christ this morning, this afternoon. You are commissioned. You are called you are ordained to. Now, whenever the enemy comes at you like a flood, which he does, which means he wants to knock you off of your feet. And you know it only takes about six inches of water to knock you off your feet flowing? Did you know that? Yeah, six inches flowing in his feet. Yeah, knock a person down. It doesn't take much. But Christ, he holds us up above. We can walk over the water on the water. We can step on anything that comes in our way and rise above. He wants to use you in a unique way. And you are empowered to do so. The words will be given if you don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say to those around you. Look for people who are hurting and in need around you. Take opportunities to share your faith. Take opportunities to share God's love. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you, God, for everything that you do in our lives, God. I thank you, God, for the mountain experiences, God. I thank you, God, for the valley experiences that you helped to lead us through and grow us through. God, I pray that in the valley, that while we are there, that we will look for people who are in need. And God, that you will bring specific people into our path. And that we would see souls saved continually, continually, continually. God, I pray that we would start to have our eyes open in a new way that people would, that people's problems and their struggles would start to be revealed so that we can pray for them, God, so we can offer them hope and restoration, God. And I give you thanks and praise in the mighty name of Jesus. And today, I just commission you in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to go and do the work of the ministry in your community. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.